everybody, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Super Super 8 Podcast. My name is Pat Lynch. Uh, how are we all doing? It's been a little while. Um, trying not to breathe into the mic. I just ran upstairs. Check on something. Um, let's get into it. What do I want to go over this episode? What's been happening? Last we left off, last we uh, parted ways... Um, I believe I was still waiting for my um, Super 8 reel to come back from the FPP, and it came back last week. I haven't had a chance in the last week or two to really um, to really dive into uh, anything and get a podcast done, but it came back. Um, I got it last week. Uh, where? I think it's somewhere. I don't know where I shoved it. Oh, it's in that drawer. It comes in a, in a tiny little box with a reel and your USB stick, and you pop it in, and you watch it, and it's incredible. Uh, the Braun Niso uh, works fantastically. My reel came back looking beautiful. Even the indoor shots look great. Um, they, they even send you a little email kind of going over um, kind of the things that you might run into in the reel. Um, they had mentioned, they had sent a a nice email saying it was on its way and that some of the inside shots were a little dark but it kind of adds a cool aesthetic to it i'll leave a link in the show notes to the youtube um page for the reel i mean it looks incredible um i'm very happy with the results um i did a 1080 scan um which is the lowest resolution which is fine for what i want to use it for um and you know further on down the road if i decide to uh move it up, bump it up to 2K or 4K, I can do that because I have the reel. Um, the reel is super cool looking. Um, three, It's three minutes and, what, 18 seconds or so? You know, it starts off with that film burn, ends with the film burn. It's very cool. Um, the only thing that I did cut out of the video itself were what I think was the camera going off in, like, a bag for a couple seconds here and there. Um, there's a couple of longer a couple of seconds of like black just sheer black in between a couple of the shots I did outdoors but I was shoving it in a bag that um, funny enough I actually got that day um, it was the first time I was going to take it out and shoot some 50D with it and uh, I didn't realize how it, it's a heavy ass camera and um, hold on, I'm just going to adjust this mic they say to always I, I've got like a little condenser on a boom and they say it's always best to to kind of look up into the mic, but I guess that's just for singing purposes. But um, the boom is also in the way of my computer screen. Um, I should bring it up. Now we won't go over it because you can't see it while I'm watching it. So what's the point? Um, this is just very cool. Um, but yeah, let's get into the episode, shall we? Well, yeah, technically the last time I recorded one of these, uh, I hadn't left for Niagara Falls yet. Um, so, went to Niagara Falls, um, shot a bunch of film. I'm still waiting to process it. Um, I'll probably go over that in a future episode, a future non-Super Super 8 podcast episode. Um, just keep in mind, I might duck out. I might have to pause this really quickly because uh, my girlfriend had just gone grocery shopping. And uh, I'm going to help her when she gets back. Um, yeah. So, I'm, I need to make show notes because I can never remember what the hell I want to talk about. But the last thing we went over was the Niagara trip. That went really well. Once again, sadly, um, I did not end up bringing any Super 8. Um, this is going to sound weird, but I forgot that we were going on a trip next week to New Orleans. Um, my girlfriend is 
getting an expenses paid trip um, for a conference, a two-day conference that she's going to, and then I think we're adding in a day or two on each end for travel. So she's taking me along. Um, I'll be hanging out in New Orleans with her. Um, so yeah, that'll be cool. I ordered some, I didn't think I was gonna do this because it's a little bit more expensive, but I just, I just said screw it and I pulled the trigger. Yesterday I ordered some Ektachrome Super 8 and the FPP did send me an email that it was sent out today. So I'm hoping in the next, uh, by Saturday I'll have it. And I think I should, because it, once it ships, it's pretty quick. Um, and I still have the black and white as well. I'm not sure if I should bring both of them. Um, with still photography, with my still stuff, I'll, you know, you can just bring rolls with you and it's easier to check. Um, but this will be my first time bringing a Super 8 camera with me. And it's just going to be on the carry-on, so it's going to be a little nerve-wracking. Um, and she's home, so I'm going to pause this real quick. Alright, back now. Um, I am drinking a Truly Black Cherry. of the Jack Black Cherry sort. Um, what was I speaking about? I'm still a little nervous. Um, about going through TSA. Um, I was reading some, reading some, uh, a lot of forums, and they said to treat it just, um, like your film rolls, your still film, um, rolls. So that's what I'm going to do. So I'm not as nervous about the Super 8 cartridges, but, um, I am worried about my camera. My camera looks, um, I don't know, maybe this is just me, um, being a little, uh, being a little paranoid, but, uh, nobody has seen a camera look like this in person for, at least I think. Um, Super 8 cameras look pretty straightforward, but, uh, film cameras themselves, at least the Bronizo, looks very suggestive. It looks like a gun, kind of, or could be construed as one, if they see it in a bag or something, so... Um, yeah, so I'm just gonna go. I'm not gonna have the film in it. Um, I'm gonna have the Super 8 in its box, probably opened, because unfortunately what they do do with uh, film rolls, even if they're brand new, is they open up all the boxes. Um, so, at least in Boston they do. So I'm gonna go and uh, I'm just gonna see what happens. But uh, I might bring my black and white in addition, but I think I will probably not shoot three and a half minutes of Super 8, or three minutes of Super 8 um, on Ektachrome for the four days, so we'll see how that goes. So I'm a little nervous about that. Um, what else, what else, what else? Um, oh, um, I am still waiting to send in my 500T, which I have also shot with the Bronizo. Um, it's in the wings, awaiting to be sent off to the FVP. I could come back on a lovely file. Um, and I'm also wondering what to shoot on my New Orleans trip. And again, I still have my tracks, but I'm not sure how much black and white I want to shoot in a place like New Orleans. Um, I'm not sure what ISO... Um, the Triax that I got shoots at. It doesn't really have anything on the box. Um, well, I'm sure it does. I'm just not paying attention. But um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just looking for a decent um, spot to really shoot that in. 
Um, I'm not sure. I might just do. Might I might just be for wintertime. Wintertime's pretty, pretty bright and just black and white. You know what I mean? That seems like an appropriate black and white time of year, winter. And it's quickly coming upon us. Um, fall's just about over because it's been pissing and raining out uh, for the last week or so, off and on, and all the trees are now bare, just about. Um, not quite, but it, they're, anything that kind of was bright really early in the season is now just... The more it rains, the more tr uh, leaves fall off the trees. kind of makes it miserable. Um, I probably won't... Well, I actually was going to order some more color film with my Super 8 um, color 35mm, but I accidentally hit the buy button. Um with the ectochrome in there so i figure what i'll do is i'll just i've had some good luck before i leave for trips buying um film from the hunts video store in manchester new hampshire um i've had some luck just stopping in at the photo store near where i live um they always carry um they always carry some some decent stock and truth be told, I think I have enough left over, enough color left over to um, not even bother. Um, I think I have some retrochrome, some Fujichrome. What else? Um, my half-frame camera is just about half shot with some Pro Image in it, um, which I've never shot before. Um, did I buy some Ektar? I can't remember. I shot some Ektar. I've got 10 rolls waiting to be sent to, uh, to be developed. But anyways, enough about that. Um, and yeah, just going back to the black and white Tri-X that I bought. I mean, I was a complete moron for buying that ahead of a trip uh, for fall. I mean, to have that for my fall time cartridge, like, I know I'm not, I'm not made out of money by any means, but uh, I mean... I would say maybe I'll probably be able to do like a cartridge every like two or three months. So that's like roughly like a bit of a season, I'd say, at least around here. But to just think, I mean, I, were, I really wasn't thinking about the colors, I guess. I was just thinking like, oh, what haven't I shot yet for Super 8? Like, this is exciting. And then, of course, uh, blew through the 500T because I was so excited to get the first one back. Um, dangerously enough, I bought and shot and finished the 500T before I even got my first reel back, so that was pretty dangerous, but uh, it all worked out. I was pretty confident in the Braun Niso uh, 3056. Uh, you know, it's it's probably the best Super 8 camera around, I'd say. You know, you hear a lot in podcasts and just reviews and stuff of like the best hands down, you know, Super 8 camera, but uh, I really think it's like the underdog. It's like not many people have them. It's 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 out of this world. It's like the Germans weren't thinking like they designed it, not thinking about like the times that they were living in. It's not a uh, contemporary camera. It's like it's just like a. It's like I, I don't know. I don't know what to like. I don't know what to relate it to. I'm not good at analogies, but it's I don't know. It was way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time, and kind of if. If I remember correctly, made in the late 70s, kind of right around the time when Super 8 was dying out, or it was just about to die out. So uh, to make like a stainless steel like 
camera. I mean, it's it's a beautiful camera. And I know I bring that up every time, but uh, it's it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, kid. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I have this list of things, but it's it's really not. Um, it's probably not going to last more than half an hour as talk, and I I try to keep them relatively short because I don't particularly like to ramble. Um, I still haven't tried out the JCPenney camera that I bought because I stuck some old batteries in. I'm actually at a double A's, which is kind of embarrassing to say, but like, I just hate wasting batteries on things that like don't last forever. Cause I'm, I don't know. I'm a cheapskate like that. Like I will buy, I'd rather buy a nice set of rechargeables and use those over a couple of years and recycle them rather than like buy some Duracells and, uh, you know, because you know, I've really, I've really been putting in some stock lately into like some decent batteries. Like, instead of buying like the the no name brand batteries, um, or the cheap batteries, you know, you gotta invest in good batteries because uh, they do make a difference. I will say that I have learned over the years that uh, a Duracell battery or an Energizer battery will last you a lot longer. And the cheap batteries, you gotta remember too. There's two different types where one is for low drain devices like remotes or um, I don't know, like a keyboard perhaps, stuff like that, or it's not like on all the time. It's just kind of like when you put, when you input something or like a mouse, perhaps high drain devices are like the device is off, but when it's on, like they're draining the batteries, like a, you know, an audio recorder or a, a camera for instance. So, uh, there's a difference, but yeah, there's, but I just, I don't know. I just, my, there is a, there is a very convenient battery tester. And um, on the Super 8 camera, and it's, they're about half full, I think. I think it takes eight batteries. Um, I don't have it. It's actually behind me. Um, I'm not going to pull it apart to, uh, you know, the batteries are in the handle as some are. I think it might be six. It's six or eight. It's 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 a hefty amount of batteries, but, uh, I mean, you know, if they last a couple cartridges, then what's the big deal? Um, and the big thing, too, I think, is that it has a manual zoom on the lens, but it also has an electronic zoom, and I think that has a lot to do with um, the battery drain as well, so I'm trying to be mindful of um, not using the digital zoom just to kind of screw around, but to really only use it when I need. It's it's a slow zoom, but it's why I would use it. It's very uniform. If I you want a uniform zoom, the, len, the, the lens lever, the lever on the lens, um, if you're really careful, you could could really get a smooth one out of it but it's it's tough because there's a little bit of resistance so it's you know unless you're looking to just really just rack rack in and rack out or if you're trying to do some kind of effect where you need a quick one because the electronic automatic one um is, is fairly slow so if you're just looking to like shoot something zoom in and then zoom back out for whatever reason um definitely want to do it by hand but um, if you're looking for like a nice steady zoom, you want to use that electronic one. The good thing is, is that I don't automatically like just go to it instinctively because it's kind of the lever, the the in and out switch for the automatic electronic zoom is on the top of the camera, and your hand's never there other than to use the zoom. So it's it's like I don't instinctively go to it, which is nice. But I think that has a lot to do with um, the battery drain as well. The other thing that drains the battery, but is kind of convenient because it's not so... It, it makes it so you're not just wasting it. There's no on and off switch, but there is a trigger before 
there's like a um, there's a palm trigger, like a thumb trigger. So your hand is holding the handle, and that space between your thumb and and pointer finger that rests on the handle, and that there's like a trigger there, which triggers the camera to get ready to expose. So if you're in if you're pointing the camera at you know a light or into the sun or in a bright situation you can hear inside the camera it's it's almost the only noise that the camera actually makes is you can hear the aperture opening and closing um, and then obviously if you go from bright to dark if your hand is on that trigger um, you can hear it closing and you can hear it moving and stuff like that and inside of the viewfinder you can see on the side you can see it racking up to what um, f-stop you're at and it has a little orange piece so it'll be I think it goes down to like 2.8 or maybe 1.8 I don't I forget but after it goes to the lower one it has a piece of orange which is like this is too dark and I actually just learned that but it it's oh, a couple weeks ago but I haven't shot in a couple weeks um, but it's very convenient but that also um, drains the battery it's you know it's sensing what light it needs to be at and what to change it at in automatic mode but that trigger has a little switch behind it so you can so if your hands on it you won't you won't depress that trigger and it won't be working um, so there's no on switch as long as that as long as you can't depress that little um, that trigger it's you're good to go there's no on switch there's no there's nothing draining the battery unless that trigger is depressed and then of course so like your the back of your hands on the on the back of the handle you know your hands on there and that's kind of like it's kind of like arming the system like you arm it and then your forefinger comes around like a traditional trigger and that's what like actually starts sending the film through the gate and uh everything starts whirring and it's it's uh 18 frames a second and it's gorgeous and uh yeah it does have a 24 frames a second feature but um you know it's like you, you buy a super 8 camera it's for a reason for that 18 frames a second like look I haven't and I think it's like a 16 I think it goes to 8 but I might be mistaking that for my Bolex um, just pretty standard but yeah I mean uh, then um, and it does have a bunch of manual features which is really nice but um, this is basically the Swiss Army knife of Super 8 cameras but um, I've been told and I've heard through the grapevine that you know for the most part it's Super 8 you're not messing with 16 millimeter or anything fancy or a video camera it's like or your still photography like your slrs and whatnot it's like just just leave it on automatic and uh, it'll do the work for you i mean that's kind of what they were all built to do so they all work in pretty decent conditions um just in automatic mode so just leave them on there segment that I wanted to go into before I went on that tangent was money. Film and processing and scanning and all these other things I want are so expensive. I mean, there's always a price. There's, there's always a price of a hobby. So my big thing, unfortunately, I have, I, unfortunately, I don't call them hobbies. 
because I just kind of, at least with my music, because I would rather it or I'd like to consider it something that defines me. And I would love for it to be my source of income, except for it's not. So it's, I hate calling it my hobby though, because it's kind of like, oh, I'm messing with my hobby. It's like, nah, like I live for this. But um, music and playing music and uh, as my other hobby, and unfortunately, both of those things are very gear gearhead driven. And uh, you can always upgrade some kind of piece of gear or accessory or something, and there's always something else to buy. They're two very expensive um, and bank account draining, you know, hobbies, for lack of a better term. So, you know, I, I play guitar, I play acoustic, electric, uh, but primarily I, pray, I play drums. Um, I haven't in a while because of where I live, unfortunately, but uh, I have to look into a jam space, which would be a monthly fee, and... Uh, you know, so I've been playing drums in a while, but I consider myself a drummer first and foremost. And then um, right now, the only band that I'm in is a kind of like a dad rock slash cover band. I call it a dad rock band, except for uh, most people, uh, dads, I'm sure, uh, take offense to that. But uh, I don't say it in an offending tone. I just say that's kind of what we play. You know, the standard hits, you know, a couple hours of covers, stuff that you'd expect. Um, we played a gig, actually, that was very fun, last Friday, um, which we hadn't played at in a while, and uh, packed the house, and it was, it was great, it was a fun time, but yeah, I play electric in there, and then, of course, I have an acoustic, and I write music on the side, and I've got my own kind of side project going, like solo stuff, nothing fancy, but, um, you know, that mixed with my film, you know, interests, you know, you can only spend so much money, and both of those hobbies are the kind of hobbies that you know, whatever your budget is or whatever your income is, it's like it will. It's going. You're going to learn how to stretch it, stretch, like your income based or like basically what the things that you buy are always going to be pushing the limits of what you can spend. If I made more, then I'd be spending more on those hobbies because I'd be buying even more expensive gear. It's kind of a kind of a chicken and egg situation. But uh, some of the things that I really, really want, um, that I am, that, uh, you know, I, I had to sit down and think, because, you know, you listen to other podcasts and they talk about gear, and I don't know if any of you do this, I'm sure you do, but every anytime I'm listening to some other podcast about cameras and whatnot, they talk about this one and that one and reviews and ones that are shite and ones that are really great and the ones that don't get enough love and these types of cameras and those types of cameras, it's like... You, you're, I'm, I'm constantly stopping the podcast and looking them up and being like, oh, that looks cool, or oh, that's a cool one, or oh, I didn't even think of that before, that one has something I didn't think about, and oh, that'd be super cool, and like, oh, I have like, you know, I have my, I have like a decent setup right now, I would love to have two functioning SLRs in combination with what I have right now, it's kind of a comfortable setup where I think as a film photographer, um, I guess I can call myself that, right? Um, three cameras, like three different types of cameras, like a point and shoot. A, I have my half frame, which I guess is kind of like, you know, you got to be into that to do it. And then a standard run-of-the-mill SLR, your go-to SLR, having three different types of film in those. So being, you, you know, you're ready for all situations, basically. But um, kind of going off the beaten path. But it does connect with just like, you know, you, you listen to you listen to different things and gear, but and I thought to myself, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole of just buying cameras and lenses and accessories and stuff like that. But I, you know, you got to take yourself out and be like, if I was to buy one thing to improve 
my photography, what would it be? And hands down, what I have come to every time, and it's very rare, but every time I take myself back and say, like, do I really need that camera? You know, even if it's 40 bucks plus shipping, like, do I really need another one of those? Because it's almost just being redundant. And in reality, it should kind of stick to, you know, maybe not stick to one company, but like, you know, I have my OM-10. And I'm really interested in, you know, Olympus gear or like Olympus lenses. Like, I know it's not so much of the digital realm where, you know, you had to buy a Canon system or a Nikon system and then you invest in the glass. And it's a lot cheaper, so the, the, the cost of investment is lower. But it's like if I buy, you know, a Nikon camera, it's like uh, I only have one lens that comes with the camera. It's like, well, I, you know, I want a wide angle lens and a 35 and a 50 and maybe something even closer just to, you know i've never really owned a decent like zoom lens or telephoto and um not that i really care to mess with any of that stuff but um you know it's like you can get you can go down these rabbit holes by thought hands down the one thing that would improve my photography is a bag a proper camera bag i don't have a proper camera bag i don't even have a proper backpack i just have this backpack that I got when I started my job. They provided you with a laptop and a just a run-of-the-mill backpack, and it's pretty—it's not particularly rugged, but it's—it's it's been through hell and back. And you know, with me, it's like if you're gonna give me a backpack, and uh, I don't have a particular place to go for a couple of years, which kind of was the case for a couple of years there. It's like you know, I'm gonna use that backpack for moving and clothes and putting bottles in and uh you know all kinds of crap and just living out of it for all intents and purposes and it's gonna get thrown around and beat up and uh i've been using that and um it's been very convenient um i've never used a backpack more than i have this one but it's like it's not it's not conducive to shoving cameras in it's very haphazard um i shove my slr in one of the pockets, one of the big pockets. My half frame, if you're careful, can fit inside one of the mesh pieces where you put a water bottle on the side there, but it's not, because it's mesh, the camera just gets caught up in it. So it's it's really not even that ease of access. It's not easy to access, but it's just, it's more right there than taking the bag off. I don't have to take the bag off. And then my point and shoot just gets shoved in there somewhere as well. But it's like, it's not like, I just want to be able to grab it and go, you know what I mean? Which brings me to another point, which is, isn't on this list, but I just kind of thought of it, is I was under, I kind of went full circle with the camera strap conundrum. And some of you might be saying, like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, but when I had a digital camera, I bought a 7D, and it was, I carried that thing everywhere, brought it with me everywhere. Um, and I had a strap for it, and I wore it. Um, and I didn't wear it around my neck, I wore it, you know, like over my shoulder. Um... And then I just, I, st I was watching a lot of photography vlogs and stuff like that. And I forget which one it was. Um, a photo rev vlog or something. Um, I forget what his name is. Um, guy from Japan or China. Um, and he and he had amazing videos. But he was saying, like, if you want to look more professional, take your strap off and just carry your camera. And that's what I did. I immediately took my straps off, all of my cameras. Um, at the time, I only had one or two. I hadn't been messing around with the Nikon FG that I have, which is now defunct, which I need to get fixed. It's another story. But it's like I took all these straps off. And every camera since, I've taken the strap off of it. 
And now I'm kind of coming full circle with a couple years later going like, mm, I wish I had kept those straps. And I have kept the straps, but some of like the, the links and the locks and the, the pieces on the ends are all, you know, God knows where they are and have fallen off since. And some of them are just old from 40 years ago. It's just like I don't trust the little chunks of metal on the ends of it anyway. So, but um, yeah, I need camera straps very very much um sorry to check my phone my girlfriend is currently making me burritos shout out to her <laughs> she is way too good for me um so yeah i need to get camera straps and a proper camera bag and what i'm thinking of getting is the brevet brevet i don't know there's three different types of camera bags that they sell and they all have great reviews and they all have slightly different functions but they're all pretty much the same and they all have like you know the camera insert and it's like they're primarily meant for digital workflows but it's like it's it's all the same like you know they just have that side pocket where you can just zip it open and grab your camera and boom and it's like to have that and then have a camera over your shoulder it's like you're good to go and then of course depending on the size you can shove the super 8 in there and then just you are the Swiss Army knife of film photography and 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 Super 8 shooting. It's like, or you could just adjust it to fit like a smaller Super 8 camera in there, and then get like a bigger Super 8 camera. I mean, the the possibilities are endless. I'm thinking of getting the roll top. I don't know if I want to be the guy to walk around in like a roll top bag though, because I might want to just use this as my going to work backpack. But there's one that just looks like a regular backpack. Um, yeah, let me look that up. The Brevit bag. I don't know if it's Brevit or Brevit. Um, let me see. Brevit backpack. There's the roll top. Oh, um, shot backpacks. Let's see. The Roamer, which is a very small looking thing. Hold on here. The roll top. There's the original, which is kind of like the regular backpack looking thing. And then there's a the rucksack, which it's kind of a combination between the original and the roll top. Uh, the roll top is the biggest. It's the most expensive. The original is 150 bucks. I mean, I don't know. It's so tough. And the roll top doesn't look that obnoxious, but it's it's looks a little obnoxious. But I mean, how much am I actually going to care? They do have, they do have little... Uh, ribbon sign on the rucksack that says it's a bestseller because it still kind of looks just like a regular backpack looking at pictures now this one's 170 bucks if it's a laptop you got your water on the side there of course they have the obligatory one that's like fit your pens and uh, like a hard drive in here it's like yeah i guess the hard drive makes sense but like put your keys hook your keys inside and stick some sharpies it's like yeah, those will go in there, but I'm never going to see those. Like, I want my camera stuff in there. Um, but yeah, backpack. Backpack. I really want a backpack. And then going on the strap thing, I'm like, well, let's see if there's any cool camera straps out there. And I found this amazing site. It's a company out of California. They're called Couch Straps. And it's fantastic. It's this company out of California. I'm not sure what part. That buys leftover vinyl like the material from old cars um, from the 60s and 70s and 80s where they you know companies like ford and gm and everybody would buy 
rolls and rolls and rolls of this material to make their seats out of. And then they just had leftovers that other places bought and they just sit in these warehouses and these people couch goes out and they buy these giant things and they make straps out of them. They have camera straps and they have guitar straps. And I thought not only is this a cool concept because old cars are cool as shit. Um, but the two, my two favorite things in the world right now are like, you know, cameras and guitars. So I'm going to buy all my straps. I'm going to buy guitar straps. I'm going to buy camera straps. And it makes me want to buy more cameras to buy more camera straps. They have the coolest looking straps. Not only do they have the vinyl ones, but they have straps that are legitimately made out of leftover or just repurposed seat belts. So like, you know, your seat belt. And of course, if you really think about it, if you yank the entirety of your seat belt out of your car, of like the door, that's, it's a lot. You can make several, like, what eight or nine guitar straps out of that material i mean think of how much material that is it's it's a lot of you know lots of footage so i mean it, i mean they have like the old school like it reminds me of like the old school early mid 90s like like velvet red color of like you know an old ford um i don't know any anything that had like dark red velvet in it not velvet like the material but just that color i'm like oh my god people would i mean and i think I could be wrong, but I think they have the seatbelt connections, too. I don't know if it's just for aesthetics or if it's actually fully functional, but, like, that's that's a genius idea. I'm going to buy them. I'm going to buy all of them. I'm going to buy all of them. I'm just going to buy I'm going to buy the whole company with the two cents in my bank account. I'm just going to do it. But, again, going back to the original topic, which is just, like, it's frustrating when you just want all these things and you're like, ah, oh, you shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do that. I, the Friday before I went to the, uh, before I went to go play that gig conveniently or to my dismay, it was also payday. So of course I freaked out and I was just like, oh, you know what? Like I really need a second cable to go for my pedal board, which is very primitive because I was never really into pedals until I had to be in a band to make a couple different sounds. But, um, like oh i need another pedal in addition to the cable i should just buy it like yeah screw it like i've always wanted this pedal so like, yeah screw it and i bought the pedal and i was like ah, you know what you buy a couple packs of strings oh and then because i had the pedal like i'm gonna get a i need a pedal cable a patch cable and then what else did i buy i bought something else that was stupid i didn't really need i'm like oh i shouldn't have bought that and then of course we don't play out enough and we're not gonna practice for another couple weeks so it's like did i really need the pedal and because i bought it the day of the gig i hooked it up and I didn't even use it at the gig. It's like, why did you do that? Like, why did I do that? I don't know why I did that. It's stupid. Because, you know, because I'm a musician and I don't care about money. And uh, I'm impulsive. But yeah, I bought a cable. Oh, and then I bought, I didn't have, I wanted a second, I wanted to bring my second guitar back up. Which I didn't need when it was all said and done. But I don't have an actual case for it. I have just a, one of those five... Uh, you know, I have one of those guitar racks. It's a stand that holds four or five guitars on it. And, you know, I never go anywhere with more than one guitar, ever. So I just, um, you know, it just sits on there. But I was like, well, if I'm going to bring two guitars, last time I did, I had to shove it in my acoustic bag. It's a soft uh, Taylor acoustic bag. Don't have a Taylor, so don't freak out. Um, but, uh, which is funny, because every time I go anywhere with my acoustic, which is a very nice guitar, um, but it's not a Taylor, but uh, it's in a Taylor bag. So every time I go to a gig with it, which is rarely now, but they're like, oh, what do you got in there? What do you got in there? I'm just like, oh, it's just a, it's actually a Kent Bonanza, which is a, um, 
Gibson Hummingbird ripoff. It's a lawsuit guitar made in 74, and Kent got sued by Gibson over the headstock. Long story. Fun fact, though. But um, I was like, well, I can't show up to this gig. Not that anybody's paying attention, but I'm not going to show up to this gig with a with my telly and a freaking acoustic bag that doesn't fit in. It's way too big for it. It's going to rip the crap out of my case because it's rocking around in there. So I ended up buying a $90 case for the telly. I know, I spent so much money. But yeah, um, you know, these are the things that we do as gearheads in the camera community, you know. It's like, I want to buy another Subrate camera, but it's like, I shouldn't. I mean, you can only shoot one at a time. You can only shoot one at a time. You know what I mean? It's like, why why do that? Why do that to yourself? I guess realistically, the thing that I should dive into next is Regular 8. The FPP has been pushing that more lately, so... uh guess I should do that. Um, realistically, that's what I will do when I can get around to it. Right now, um, we're pretty busy this week, and um, then I'll be on the trip next week. So uh, the next time you hear from me, we'll probably be on the other end of that trip. And, um, you know, New Orleans, here we come. So before I go, um, is there anything else I want to talk about? Nope. I suppose not. Other than the fact that, you know, just keep in mind that everything that I've said here is, uh, is you know, probably wrong anyways. So just take it with a grain of salt. And um, we'll catch you next time. Um, keep out, keep an eye out for that link below to my Super 8. First, my initial, my, my, my popping of the cherry of the Super 8 reel. And, um, yeah, we'll catch you on the flip side.